<laughs> All right. Here we go, Ian. You ready? Three, two, one. Howdy, friends. This is the Ascend UX podcast, a show about the experience of user experience. I'm Evan Sunwall. And I'm Ian Behe. Hi, and this is the first podcast. This is exciting, huh? It really is. Yeah, we made it. Look at us. For the people who don't know, um, buying audio equipment is kind of an ordeal for the uninitiated. It took a lot of careful planning for me anyway, to make sure that I'm buying the right pieces to record this. So uh, what about you? Do you have any issues, Ian? For me, it's just mostly making a makeshift studio in my kitchen for the moment. <laughs> I think we're all kind of getting by with the makeshift uh, arrangements in this day and age that we're, we're living through right now. What are we going to talk to today about, Ian? We're going to talk about this podcast. What is this about? What is UX? Just a little bit. And talk a little bit about ourselves because who are we, right? <laughs> Sounds good to me. So uh, uh, this is a UX podcast. And for people who are like, what does that stand for? Uh, I wanted to give you the Wikipedia definition, right? For, so I'm, I'm helping you out here. I've already done a little of the research. What is UX? So this is, this is I love this. I love this definition. User experience design is the process of manipulating user behavior through usability, usefulness, and desirability provided in interaction with a product. What strikes you in that definition, Ian? To be honest, the first thing that came to my eye was manipulating. (laughs) It's It's not what I really think of and what we do in our everyday practice, but I think, you know, if we take that word into a larger definition, sure. But no, I think it seems true to a certain extent. Multifacets, yeah. usage, yeah. make it useful. Yeah. Also desirability. It's not just function. There's also an emotional aspect behind what we do. Yeah, I mean, so this is this is a this is an industry, this is a profession that has had a long, long history, although it doesn't it doesn't kind of feel that way sometimes. It feels like in the past 20, 30 years, it really kind of came to its own in the the age of, of the information age, right? With computers and the internet. But the idea that very smart people who create businesses, who engineer systems, are perhaps not always the best people to create them in such a way that their audience, their users, uh, can use them successfully. I remember, I remember doing some research years ago on human factors engineering, which is a profession in its own right, but it definitely has some shades and influences in UX. And the idea like in World War II, where they would go through and they needed lots of pilots and they needed them to fly planes in the war. And they would create these, they'd manufacture these planes, create all these systems, and they'd train all these pilots and put energy into, you know, producing them. They needed a ton of them. And then the pilots would try to fly the planes. And because of the way they were engineered and designed, they would crash. And they were like, 
well, this isn't very sustainable. Like, this is a problem. Like, we need these people to actually fight the war and actually successfully fly these planes. And they would blame the, the people at the, at the helm. They'd blame the pilots. Oh, they're not, probably, they're not trained right, right? And it's kind of amazing that from some of those roots and, and a little bit before, but the idea that, you know, it takes a lot of work and diligence to make systems, especially complicated ones, for the average person, for, for people who don't have that kind of connection to how it's engineered or how it's planned. And uh, I think that's a really fascinating space. And that's kind of why I've been attracted to user, user experience design as a profession myself. Yeah, and I wonder even too, should the experience be seamless? Should the users not even think that we went through that process to create an experience for them that really responds to their needs as well? You know, should we be invisible? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a very common refrain, right? It's like, oh, if you're doing your job right, no one ever thinks about what you've done. No one ever thinks about the design. They're just doing their task. They're just doing, they're tr- trying to accomplish their goal. And you are truly invisible if you're actually really successful. And so what we want to do is kind of uh, part the veil a little bit. We want to kind of talk about uh, for people who maybe uh, are doing this as their job today, for people who are curious that I know this is something and I'm, maybe I'm trying to have that happen and make a career change. And for people who are like, I don't like, I just found out what UX is just uh, about 30 seconds ago when you were starting to describe this. Um, and we're just touching on the surface. This is like very, 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 very high level. But yeah, we want to go on this journey. We want to talk about what is it like doing this job? What are the techniques that are used? What are the, the kind of the people in your neighborhood, right? The people uh, that do this role that you work with, that you collaborate with. And uh, at least in the context of software design, which is what we, uh, we do professionally, um, help you kind of explore that or a little bit, get a little more perspective and uh, some to get guidance and tips on how to, to do it better or to make it even happen at all. Yeah, I agree. And I like the aspect you said of uncover the veil, because I think nowadays our lives are so entwined with our computers or our phones and behind each app, each interface, there's a designer who thought of it, hopefully for the best of how the user will interact with it. So I think it's going to be fun to uncover that veil and scratch the surface to give more idea of what we do by exchanging with other designers to figure out how they perhaps solve different problems in their everyday work process. Yeah. So we're going to embark on this journey. We're going to uh, record these podcasts. We're going to not overly rehearse necessarily. We're, we're going to kind of keep it authentic and real uh, and, and kind of hopefully give you some helpful advice, give you some helpful perspective on user experience, UX design, and, and hopefully have a little fun. And maybe we'll be even a little amusing here and there. I don't know. That's kind of a high bar, huh, Ian? I'm not sure. We're just going to see how it goes. It's an iteration. It's a work in progress. <laughs> My wife says I'm not as funny as I think. So we'll, we'll see. All right. So we're going to transition to our discussion. And normally we'd be talking about a particular topic for these different podcasts. Uh, before this introduction, uh, for you, uh, dear audience, uh, please forgive us. We're going to talk a little bit about ourselves for this episode, just so you know, uh, uh, who is this person and, and why, why should I listen to them and what do they know about UX? So I and I have already settled on a couple of questions and we're going to do a little bit of interviewing for ourselves and, and hope to give you a little bit of that background and perspective. 
it's quite rare for us to talk of ourselves usually because we're deflecting the attention onto others saying, you know, when a user asks you a question during a test, it's like, oh, what do you think? Oh, how do you feel? <laughs> yeah, that's certainly a key part of the job. It's really having that empathy and compassion for other people and actually applying that in your work. It really kind of depersonalizes yourself, right? You have to like keep tamping down that desire to make something that you like or that you think is best. And so, yeah, this is going to be slightly uncomfortable. That's okay. This is the only one where we're going to do this. So thankfully. Yeah, thankfully. All <laughs> but right. I, th- I think even in the process, we're often forced to be objective. So it's really distancing ourselves from ourselves to do our job properly. So yeah, let's try Evan. Let's talk about ourselves. All right. Well, I'm going to take the initiative here. Okay. And I'm going to ask you, Ian, tell me about yourself. <laughs> That's a big question. Um, well, I'll give you a simple and hopefully we can go deeper in, into myself as you go along with the questions. So as you already know, my name is Ayan Bihi. I am a user experience designer, and I've been practicing in this field for over five years now. I love the aspect of design that is creative, but also very slightly scientific in its process. So I like how I get to work with my left brain and my right brain, depending on the tasks at hand. How about you, Evan? What do you want to tell me about yourself? Well, I grew up in New Orleans. Uh, it's true. People always comment on my lack of accent, but I did grow up in New Orleans. I was there till I was 18. And I moved over to Texas to study computer science at Texas A&M University. I didn't give it a lot of thought, I have to say. I just kind of liked computers. And I went through that program. And, and this is still, it's getting better right now. But there was not necessarily a career path for user experience. It, it was not really well-defined. And certainly at my college, it was very engineering centric. And so I didn't like love it. <laughs> I was kind of okay at it, but I was kind of determined to get through it. And I, I think grit and determination, uh, that's also a key attribute for, I think this job as well. We'll get into that sometime in the future, but I wanted to just complete it. I had set on this journey and I wanted to do it. I had some great advisors and mentors along the way to help me do that. So I did that. And it was the dot-com bust. So for those who, don't, who aren't aware, that was like the coming down off of the high of, hey, cool, the internet. We can sell things on the internet. This is going to be amazing. It was really hard to find a job. The, the market was poor, and it took me probably about 18 months to land my first job. And my first job was actually doing software development. And so I was doing that down in Stafford, Texas, uh, just a suburb outside of Houston. And I did that for about two years. And it was great to finally get that job and get that experience. But ultimately, uh, the company was acquired. We were all laid off. And I made a commitment to myself as like, self, you don't want to do software development. Uh, This isn't as fulfilling as you you need it to be, to be something you're going to be doing eight hours a day, uh, every week for the rest of your life. So... I decided I wanted to do something that kind of hybridized like psychology, which I studied a little bit in college, an undergraduate, and try to meld them together. Like, what is that? Can I do this? Can I figure out the people element? And I stumbled upon usability, uh, human factors, human human computer interaction. There's a lot of different terms. User-centered design. And I was like, oh, oh, this is actually a thing. Okay. So... I applied to graduate schools. I got into a few and I was about to go ship off and study it for two years. And I happened to find a job at Pros, which is where I still work today. 
And that was 13 years ago. So I, every time I say that, I kind of like uh, my eyes twitch a little bit like, oh, wait, how long has it been? And so I, I got started at an enterprise software company uh, doing user-centered design. And it was more or less kind of a team of one. I had colleagues here and there along the way, but it was never more than like two or three at the most. And usually at times just myself. And that was a very formative experience dealing with a lot of that complexity. So that was kind of my journey to user-centered design. And today I, I manage a team of UX designers working on enterprise software pros, a pricing company. So pricing and, and AI uh, commerce company. So cool. And when you transitioned from one to the other, were there some similar skills that you could apply to give you somewhat of a knowledge in this new field that you went into? Uh, sort of, because I started from computer science. So I had an engineering software development background. And so when I first started, I leaned pretty heavily on that. I leaned heavily on making prototypes with code. And I did not have the training and the knowledge and the experience of, I would say, qualitative research, interviewing people, developing insights, presentations. Those were things that were just not emphasized a lot in where I was coming from. And so I had to do a lot of development and kind of education, a lot, a lot of it self-taught, uh, just the nature of where I was, but to build up on those skills, because those are, those are very important skills. And I just kind of leaned into, well, I can express things in code with my development skills and get started that way and start showing some, some value uh, and start at least creating concepts that could be tested or kind of gotten you know, feedback from users and stakeholders and lean into that and work on those other parts that I had not been trained or really well developed. What about you, Ian? What were you bringing to the table when you started? Yeah, so my background is, at the time, it seemed very different, but looking back now, I see that it kind of connected very naturally. So after high school, I had that big existential question of what's next, and I was really interested in just how society functioned. To me, it was kind of this machine, and I wanted to understand the manual. So I went to sociology. I did a bachelor's in sociology, and that was super interesting. I got to learn a lot about how this machine that we live in functions, actually, and also, I, during that time, we learned a lot about interviews and using research methods. So I finished that part of my life, which is my bachelor's degree. And there was the other question again that came back, what's next? So I worked a bit actually in somewhat of social work field, which is really interesting, actually, and very uh, touching to work with others and kind of, you know, your efforts are helping their lives. But I also wanted to go further. So I had, again, that question of what do I want to do? And I started looking into design. And I was super interested in it. I was reading much into it. And it was kind of, as you were saying earlier, Evan, of uncovering that veil. It was this eureka moment where I noticed that all of the objects that I interact with in my everyday life were once conceived by someone's ideas. And that was super interesting to me. And I wanted to participate in that as well. I wanted to be a maker. So I decided to go get my master's in industrial design. So I moved from Canada to Paris. I went into the field with pretty much little knowledge of how to create a product. I did some pre-studies before at my local college just to get kind of a base, but I really threw myself into a different culture, a different country, and a completely different theme of what my practice of learning was. So that was a huge learning experience and very growing. And during that process, I realized that 
I found design very interesting, but the product of creating objects was not what I wanted to do as my contribution. So I started to look at different types of design that was existent. And at my school at the time, they were very product-based. You know, I did projects where we were redesigning um, paint guns for mechanics to do new covers for cars, like they could paint cars. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was super interesting, but I was like, I don't know if this is for me. So I started to look around and I got an internship with a design agency that specialized in user experience design. It was a word that I had heard of and I'd seen often and I was like, what is this about? Why not give it a try and see what it, you know, how could it interest me? And it was there that I got to see the bridge actually between my past, which was in sociology and my interest of being, you know, sociology is really interesting as you get to learn, you get to study and observe, but I was frustrated that you just stop there. You don't get to go further. And that's why I went to design. I wanted to be a maker. And I thought, and I felt at that time that I got to see how that those points were being connected in UX. We get to observe, we get to meet, we get to interview. And then after that's the next step that you do is that you propose something, you create a prototype or you create a product digitally. So yeah, that's how I got in. And from that internship, I was offered a job and that led to one thing to the other. I worked mostly in agencies. In the past year, I transitioned to working for with you actually at Prose, which is a different continent. And so that's been an interesting transition. It's no longer working from little projects or big projects, and then you hand it off, but it's really following the evolution of a product from A to Z and watching it grow. Yeah, that's awesome. You're kind of the world traveler. I moved about a state over and uh, that was about enough for me. It sounds like you've been kind of all over doing it in a lot of different places, huh? Wow. Yeah, movement is part of my story, I think. <laughs> but it's great for empathy, like to understand others and how to observe and how to adapt. Yeah. All right, this is getting a little stuffy. Um, let's do some fun. What did you want to do when you were growing up, Ian? What, what it, job did you want? That's a good question. I think it changed from different parts of my life. Uh, I think when I was a kid, like a little kid, I was really interested in being a veterinarian as I loved animals and we had a lot growing up. So I kind of just wanted to hang out with cats, dogs, horses, cows, and just help them. But as I got more into a teenager, I wanted, I played basketball competitively. So pretty much five days or six days out of the week, I was playing basketball. So I thought kind of a personal trainer or a physiotherapist would be interesting as it could be a great bridge between the two. And I love everything creative. So I wanted to, for me, design was mostly fashion design at that time when I was younger. So I thought maybe fashion design or photographer or video, but it was always using my ideas as a tool of communication. So yeah. How about you, Evan? What did you want to be when you grew up? I had far simpler ambitions. I think I went to a zoo one time, maybe the Audubon Zoo in New Orleans, and I saw people feeding some of the animals. And I said, I want to do that. That looks really fun. Like being like a chef for animals, like cooking up, I don't know, steaks for lions or or kind of mixing up food for elephants. Like I thought that was like the best job in the world. And like, you know, they're not going to necessarily complain like, hey, this steak wasn't cooked to my liking, sir. Could you, you know, change this? I just thought that just was super fun. And so when I was really young, I wanted to be like a zookeeper or some sort of zoo dietitian, or I don't know, not even sure what the exact wording for that is, but I thought that would be like just the best job ever. And, uh, I definitely don't do that right now. I do feed two cats who do have opinions about what I feed them. 
and they are very picky. And so I have a little more empathy now for what that job may be like than I did when I was maybe 10. So I, yeah, you know, it's kind of fun sometimes just to see where, you know, what, what people kind of saw themselves. I like the idea that we both wanted to care for animals. Like that was some sort of uh, connection there. Um, empathy, really. It goes yeah. back to the empathy. Yeah. Of helping uh, others. It will, that's going to come up a lot, I think, because that's <laughs> definitely a big part of this job. It's a lot, it's easy to say, and it's a lot harder to do. Let's, let's do, let's do two more. Let's do like a, let's do a, let's do some harder ones. What was your proudest moment professionally? Oof, that's a big one. Um, I think it wasn't a moment specifically through an experience with a client or achieving of that sort. But for me, I think it's that moment where I noticed that the dots were connected, like saying, okay, the time that I did sociology and the time of that inkling to go into design were not lost when I realized that I was on that right path. I think that was something that I felt really proud of because sometimes we can be moving forward and not understand where this journey will take us. So I think after I finished my internship and was working professionally in an agency and I had a better idea of what was user experience design, that was just like, okay, I was led a lot by these little feelings, intuition, but okay, now it makes sense. It finally then, came together. It finally... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think to go into more detail, it was probably at the moments I, I like the most is whenever I get to interview, be it with a stakeholder, which is somebody who can be in the client end or with somebody who can be a potential user. I, I love those moments because you really get to step away from your computer. You get to really understand how this product that you might be redesigning or creating might affect somebody's life. It could be maybe maintaining their job if the, the product is successful in the business end, or it could be helping them find their next home or finding a trip that will facilitate them to go see their parents who they haven't seen for 10 years. So that's, those are moments that I really, I, I really cherish. Oh. And what about your most discouraging moment? Oof. <laughs> that's even harder than the proudest. <laughs> Try not to go deep into those moments. Discouraging. I think it kind of goes back into the reverse of what I was saying of the moment where I saw the dots connected. For me, it wouldn't be professionally, but maybe more academically. When I was in industrial design and I was feeling that, no, this is not what I wanted. Um, I don't think the world needs another chair. I don't think the world needs another table. Um, I think design has the capability to do something that can really affect somebody's life. And this is not the way that I want to do it. So that was definitely a challenging moment was saying, okay, I'm here. I don't want to be here. How can I get to where I want to be? And that was the moment I decided to go into the professional aspect and do an internship to really see what this field of UX was that I heard so I had heard so much about. Oh, that's cool. How about you? What was your proudest moment professionally? Oh, I got to do the hard ones too, huh? All right. Um, yes. My proudest moment. So I think it was last year. We had done an Ascend UX conference for people who were just starting out, who were UX curious about this profession and doing the job. And we had this goal to put on a conference last year. And it was kind of absurd, but we wanted to try. We, did, we hosted it in Houston, Texas. And not only did we, I mean, we, we sold all the tickets. We actually had an overflow. We had more people who wanted to attend. And the team rallied together and they put themselves out there. They held workshops. They reviewed people's portfolios and their resumes and gave them feedback and professional feedback and their skills to try to help them level up. And 
at the end of it, after like kind of months of planning but from a lot of people, I'm not saying I didn't do this. It was the whole team that did it. At the end of it, it was really magical. It was like, wow, you guys are really hard to challenge. You, you really step up and accomplish these amazing things. And the feedback was 98% positive. Like, I mean, we surveyed everyone because we're designers, right? We want to get data and insights and perspective on things. It was it was truly a remarkable thing. And I'm, there's nothing prouder that I've done. I've made software that's like, you know, it's worked out well and some stuff that didn't work out and whatever. But that that was really encouraging. That was really magical. So the hard thing, one that comes to mind, there was a, a innovation project that was happening in the company. And we'll probably touch on that at some point. But, you know, there comes a time when you, if you are someone who can think abstractly and you can kind of piece together kind of vague requirements and you're trying to create something out of nothing, that's a pretty useful skill for a company. And so we were working on kind of an innovation project. We had gone through three rounds of testing, the 35 interviews that we had conducted. A lot of it is qualitative. We use a lot more qualitative techniques here at our company, but put a lot of work into it. It was a lot of complicated requirements and we were getting a lot of positive feedback. We're getting people like, this is really interesting. You know, I'd like you, it was funny, like we were doing a usability test and at the end of it, people were like, could you call me? Like, I'd like to get a follow-up. Could I have a sales call? And we're like, what does this happen? This is kind of crazy and weird. And whatever reasons, uh, the project got canned, you know, leadership changes, priorities change, whatever the case may be. And it was really discouraging. And the whole team had put a lot of effort into it and we were really feeling good about it and uh, I got canned. And so that it's those moments like that of like, we talk a lot about creativity and creating stuff and it's the dark side of destruction and throwing the stuff in the trash that really hurts if you're not prepared, if you don't have a good mindset to kind of look at it as a learning experience. So it took me a while to kind of come to a a reconciliation on that and had learned from that. It's time to answer some audience questions. We try to have a a time in this podcast where we're going to invite you, the audience, to send us questions about design, about user experience. And we want to talk about that. We want to answer them, give you some tips and advice, and help you out. So please send your questions to ascendux at pros.com. That's ascendux at pros.com. And We'll read them out on the show and we'll try to do the best we can to give you some advice or tips or how we can help you. You ready, Ian? I am. Should I begin with the first one? Please do. So, Evan, for you, what are the signs that a company is supportive of UX? So that's going to go, that could go pretty deep, but I think some of the things that are, they have job roles that have good job descriptions. So the job description is kind of focused on, you'll see UX designer or maybe UX UI designer. And what they're describing involves users in some way. They like, okay, and you go talk to users, you go talk to the people who are supposed to use an experience. So the fact that they have that role to begin with, well, that's a start. And if they can articulate something that isn't a magical unicorn of, yeah, you're going to do software development and you're going to work in the marketing department. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but like 
if you're trying to make product experiences and you're trying to do this job, then you need to involve users in some way. And so a job description for what you may be looking at, do they talk about getting insights and data from user behaviors or talking with users? That's a key one. Do they have a budget to do any of these types of things? Um, that's another key sign. Do they have uh, a kind of any kind of leadership structure? Who do they report to? Um, like I mentioned, uh, marketing, yeah, it could be okay. There are people who do UX design and marketing, but if you're trying to develop product experiences, you want to be probably be in the, the department or the area that makes the stuff. And so do they have a leadership representation? Do they have a director or a VP? I'm not going to say, uh, I mean, th those are pretty common ones. Like, do they have any kind of someone who is like orchestrating the program and is speaking about its value to the leaders of the organization? I would also say if they have a researcher, if, they, if they've codified research, user research as a program and they have maybe a researcher or maybe those responsibilities are in the job description, that is something that you're looking at. That is something that would be at least some good clues that user experience is taken seriously. And I think I would also encourage anyone who's looking at that, ask some good questions of the hiring manager about, you know, what have you been doing recently? Like asking, like, do you have a budget? How do you report out what you've accomplished to the rest of the organization? And how much outreach do they do? And so I think those are some, some good signs, some early clues about their relative maturity. And that can be a, a much deeper conversation, but that's a, that's a few tips for you. I'll, let's do one more, Ian. Uh, and this one's for you. What resources helped you as a new UX designer? So I think never underestimate the power of observation. So that can be observing how your colleagues who might have more experience, how they go about doing their work. So I did a lot of that, just observing and asking questions just to understand, you know, what skills I had and how that could be applied to maybe the tasks that I was asked to do. We're very lucky nowadays to have so many resources at our fingertips. So just going on the internet, you can go on to Nielsen Norman. They have lots of resources, mostly more on methodology, which is always good to have, good foundation. So they just teach different dif differences, sorry, on usability and what makes a good experience. And also just reading. So like design of everyday objects, that was a really good one. So it was a good bridge between my object background and my getting into the UX realm. So just also looking at what works. We interact so much, as I said earlier, with products and applications. So why not just take an app, put it in your hand and say, oh, this works, this doesn't work. And then maybe ask a question of why and why not re-engineer a tool that you use every day. I remember seeing um, there was a girl who wanted to get into UX design, didn't have much experience to include in her portfolio. So she got Instagram, interviewed maybe a couple hundred people in her network and ask them why they use it, what's good for them with it. And then she took that, all that insight and redesigned Instagram and it got wow. her a job at Instagram. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, yeah. So, you know, never just play around and learn, get so many resources because as designers, we play many roles. You know, there's the research role, there is the creation role. So just play around with a lot of different things to kind of, you know, get you to better understand what it is to be a designer. I, I think that, that that's really great advice. And, and I would actually add, if this is a, a, a new thing to you, or you're, you're just slightly curious about it, and you really haven't done much research on it, Don't Make Me Think by Steve Krug. That's the one that everyone kind of mentions, but it, it truly is a great book in the sense that it's really short and it's really colorful. 
And I think even that is a good kind of user experience because it doesn't look very intimidating, but it actually is a great one to kind of get that primer, that kind of introduction of why is this important? What is this all about? That's literally the first book that I read. And I think it's something to get started, do that. And yeah, I read Jacob Nielsen's useit.com, their blog for years. That's always a great one for just understanding how humans, the, their limits and how they can actually, uh, well, how much they're willing to tolerate or where they tend to look for, you know, controls and things like that. It, it, if you just read it once a week and you just pop in and see what, what kind of research they're publishing and putting out there for free, which is the big thing. It's free. It's just there. That's a great way to get started just to get a little familiar. So... Yeah. And I think those are great resources because they touch the foundation because also yeah. within our field, things are always changing. There's always like, oh, the, the call to action should be this way or that yeah. way. But if you start with the basics, then you can also take that and reinterpret in your own way. Awesome. Well, Ian, I think it's going to do it for this episode. We did it. It went by so fast. I know, right? Yeah. Time flies when you're talking. Like, about you know. yourself. <laughs> yeah. Let me just go about the soap, soapbox I'm standing on. Hang on. All right. That's going to do it for this episode and for the, of the UX, the send UX podcast. So we love your feedback because we are designers after all. So please send it to ascendux at pros.com. That's ascendux at pros.com. Also rate, follow, subscribe, or leave comments on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever service you're using to listen to us. Uh, we definitely appreciate that, spreading the, the word out there. So Ian, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. And again, yeah, I look forward to hearing what you guys all have to say and questions, so don't be shy. As Evan said, we love feedback. So. And, and you know what? If you're contemplating making a career change in the UX, um, and it seems kind of scary and it seems kind of difficult to do and you don't know where to start. I just want to encourage you take the plunge, do it. You can do it. We are not professional podcasters. This was scary. This is something that probably put it out of our comfort zone and maybe delved into the imposter syndrome, fight it, or you know what? It's okay. You, you should probably feel imposter syndrome a little bit throughout your entire career. That means you're probably growing. You're probably doing things that are challenging and difficult to do. So you can do it. All right. Well, Ian, I'll see you next episode. Yeah, this is just the beginning. Just the beginning. All right. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Ascend UX podcast, a show made by the user experience team at Pros, a software company in Houston, Texas that develops AI-powered solutions for businesses. Learn more at pros.com slash UX. That's P-R-O-S dot com forward slash UX. Our main theme music is by Ultravice. You can listen to more of his work at soundcloud.com slash Ultravice. Also, thanks to Lakey Inspired for his music as well. You can listen to more of his work at soundcloud.com slash Inspired. And special thanks to our editor and producer, Brandon Robinson. Stay gritty, friends.